The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of Australia's top football publication. This week we've had more scoops than a plastic bag-wielding bloke whose dog's got the shits. I'm Paul Hansford and this week I'm joined by publisher Andy Jackson. Hello. Deputy editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. And online editor Kevin Ayres. G'day mate. First up we're going to look back at the week in football. The Premier League kicked off and A-League suffered their round two. Um, first up, let's have a look at the A-League and uh, obviously the, there was a contender for game of the season there, if not game of the entire A-League, obviously. Uh, the Jets Street Mariners. This is Newcastle, fantastic draw. Now obviously guys, the Melbourne-Brisbane was fantastic. Probably start there. Game of the game of the season, if not the A League's history. It was certainly a, a, probably going to be a game of the season. The uh, Sydney Central Coast battles in the past probably still edge it out as far as game best game ever. But uh, yeah, it was a cracking battle, wasn't it? Mm. It was shades of that game. Was it two seasons ago when Melbourne came from three one down against the Mariners at half time? Yeah, it was Fred's season when Fred cross for Alsop at the far post to get the equaliser it's very similar circumstances but I mean I'll, I'll go as far to say that it was probably the best weekend ever in the A-League I'd say there was I one very good weekend last year really? yeah I, I still think, think that had was everything because you had, you had you know the, the dominant performance of Gold Coast with some great football great finishing from, from Schmelz you had the excitement of the Melbourne Brisbane game you know Phoenix and Glory both sort of went for it and quite enjoyed watching Phoenix play and then Sydney Adelaide I thought was a good game mm. not a lot of goals but certainly um, Sydney seemed to be trying to play football this year which is good mm, I was more impressed with them the week before to be honest I was disappointed this week I didn't think it was nearly as good as they, uh, they looked the previous week and the Jets and Mariners game were bloody awful maybe, maybe I'm just comparing it with the amount of dross that I've actually seen as a paying customer there for over the last couple of seasons <laughs> True. and the general consensus for the people around me that was that you know at least they're trying to play football you know they're trying to play it across the back and trying to move the ball through midfield rather than just sort of hoofing it wide or up you know and um, so yeah I, I thought it was a step forward and, and not a bad crowd 15,000 I thought it was more I was there and yeah, it looked it, a lot more to me I always think that at the SFS I always look around and I think well is this about half full which would make it 22,000 I thought I mean, it was 20 yeah. yeah yeah I would have said it was nearer 20 but what impressed you most this weekend, Trev? I missed the two good games. I was saying the Gold Coast one, the Melbourne one. Um, the Wellington the commitment there, really, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. It's not like it's your job or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wellington-Perth was a good game. I can't believe how many chances there were. I mean, 2-1, it should have been at least double that from, uh, from both teams. And uh, were you impressed by Ifill as well? He looked pretty tasty, didn't he? Was he was on fire, yeah. He had a few times where he, he was uh, certainly keen to score, took the ball off his uh, teammate. <laughs> I saw uh, that, yeah. yeah. More intent on scoring himself. But yeah, he, he looks lively, doesn't he, in a cut above that, on that team. That swivelling half volley he hit just before he scored that Valapi saved would have mm. probably been the goal of many a season, not just that one. He, he almost took it from behind himself and, and got his body around it. And I suppose the other news story within that game was Perth not, not hitting their straps again, you know, not 
not not getting the anything out of the game and, and two two losses. Yeah, so I think it's a result of their pre season, you know, they've gone for the glamour matches and not really concentrating, putting the hard yards with the smaller teams and really gelling together and now they have to do it in the, the actual season itself. It's gonna be a few rounds before they're ready, I think. Yeah. And a few injuries as well in the Sakura went yeah. off injured Coyne went off injured Sakura I think is doubtful for this weekend I don't know we heard about Coyne is he back this weekend God, Coyne should be back it was yeah. just a stomach virus favourite favourite goal from the from the rounds actions I'm going to put my hand up and say that uh, the, the goal for Gold Coast when Jason Kalina hit that fantastic path, uh, pass right into that the path pass of Dickinson uh, outside of his boot you know, I just I just I watched that and my first thought was he is just wasted in this league he's, he's too good to be playing in the A league still he, you know he just cut above the rest and you just think it's I mean if he's happy here and, he, and he's happy playing in the Gold Coast then we'll take him but I just thought He's he's still got something that w- that could be offered to a, a higher level. I think. I don't, I don't think there was ever any doubt about that. That you know he was coming back at a time when he was at, still at his peak. Um, but what I think it does do is it raises the level for everybody else, and they yeah. are going to have to get better, recruit better, train better. It's just bringing the A League up to a whole new level now. And you can see him in both games. You know, like demanding. You know, performance from those around him. You know, if he doesn't get the ball back, if they miscontrol it or they don't pick the right pass, you know, he's there saying, you know, showing them what they should be yeah. doing. And that's he's, important. He's demanding know? the same yeah. level that he's giving himself. And, you know, that can only help. It really can. So, best goal? Um, oh, God. I'm going to say Teatos. Mm. Simply because it, there's just no better sight than seeing a ball that just doesn't deviate, doesn't dip. It just went straight and hit the side netting and was still just rising as it hit the side netting. And it, it was just a hell of a clean strike. And, um, so, yeah, I'll go Teatro. I was going to go Teatro as well. Uh, and I'm not going to change it just for the sake of it. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to agree with you, actually. No, no, I'm not going to surprise you that that, uh, that smelts one off the cleaner pass. Just seeing those two link up in that team. Uh, another point about the cleaner, we said it before he joined, that he was going to have that completely different role at the Gold Coast than what he had for the Socceroos and the PSV, where he's got this uh, reign to go forward. And he's really enjoying it, isn't he? The chance to score goals and set them up rather than having to sort of sit back and defend a bit more. So I reckon two thumbs up for that round of the A-League, round two. And obviously the Premier League started last week. We've had a few games overnight, a shocking result with Man United going down to, to Burnley. Burnley, yeah. And uh, mighty Tottenham Hotspur at the top of the league. What do we think of the uh, opening <laughs> opening week's action in the Premier League? 15 seconds of fame for Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can, mate. Um, I think it's all going a bit according to plan, with the exception of the Man U result. I have to say, I wasn't expecting that against Burnley, but I don't think they're going to have a good season. I tipped them not to even make the top four, I think. Uh, or did I? No, they aren't top four, but Man City are above them. Um, I, th- I really think they're going to be struggling. Uh, I thought Liverpool were atrocious against Spurs. Uh, I don't quite know what went wrong there at all. I know they've got not quite as the ambitious a team as they were hoping to have this season, but I still think they're much better than to get beaten like that by Spurs. Benitez, is his, he's their own worst enemy, really, in the way he sets the team out. When you look at who they've got, but then the way they play, they gave Spurs so much space in that game. Mm. Um, but I think, it, uh, I think the results so far have been a bit indicative of teams really taking a little bit of time to get ready. Can we read too much into to early season results? Yeah, I think so. I think you always get a few odd results in the first two or three 
rounds, particularly when new players are coming in and bedding in or teams are getting used to, in Man United's case, getting used to not having Ronaldo, you know, because that is going to change the way they play. You know, not may make them worse, may not in the long run, but it will certainly make things different because they don't have that outlet um, to give the ball to Ronaldo and then, you know, for two seconds later he's 30 yards down the pitch um, obviously I'm hoping that it's not going to be indicative to the season given that my boys lost 2-0 at home to Wigan and were dreadful and were booed off at half time and full time at the first game of the season which is, uh, says a lot about the Villa fans but um, but yeah I think, I think it's, gonna, it, it's been an interesting start to the season I think the Burnley result has put certainly put the cat amongst the pigeons and probably put a bit of pressure on Fergie because he's not gone out and spent the money that he got so it would be interesting to see whether he goes back into the transfer market before the end of the month Chelsea Hull was an uh, interesting game I think you know the key to winning the title we saw Liverpool fall, fell down last season because they didn't pick up the easy points the ones they should do and you know when there's teams that come to your ground and the part of the bus as Mourinho says if you can break them down and pick up the, the results like Man United all those 1-0 then you'll win it was a bit of a fluky uh, winner because mm. Drogba was crossing and it, it went in but you know that, you make your own luck don't you and I, I think that, that'll be their biggest challenge this season but I, I think they'll win at Chelsea not just because of the opening few rounds but in general, I think they're. They are, I, I think they've, they've shown that they are the, the strongest side that's come opened up the the competition this year. They they look better than anybody else. They've got the stability. They've got the the strength through it and all that. And they come from behind twice in in both of their yeah. games, showing I a think, bit of character there. Yeah. I think as well what what the first two rounds have shown to me, which is what we, we've talked about before, is the fact that there's probably 12 or 14 teams that could go down this year. And the relegation battle is arguably going to be where the interest is because there's a lot of average teams there that are going to beat each other. You know, and anyone from, you know, I hate to say it, but anyone from sort of the likes of Villa and West Ham and those teams, you know, get on a bad run, they're not safe, you know, and anyone below that sort of seventh or eighth last season is, is in with a chance of going down. I suppose no conversation with the opening weekend of the season would be complete without a quick chat on Man City and all their new signings coming together. They didn't really play too well, did they? They had a couple of fantastic... The first couple of minutes were fantastic with Adebayo's goal capping it off but they, they looked a bit without Shea given they looked a bit shaky wouldn't they that was quite a tough opening fixture I certainly I think you'd, you'd rather a home one and they were so woeful away from home last season Man City it's quite strange watching their team line up but away to Blackburn is a tough place to go you know, especially when you've got a whole new team of you know millionaire footballs they're going to try and kick lumps at you so that's a really really good, good result for them I still don't think they'll, they'll make the top four I think um, it'll be the big four as usual I do you do? yeah Think they'll break in? Yep. At whose expense? You know, uh, Arsenal. Really? Yeah. I still, I think uh, Arsenal's win at the weekend was uh, going to be the exception. I, I really don't think they're going to have a good season. Mm. I still don't. I think Wang is the only person that actually thinks that they've got the team that can win a championship there. I hope not. Uh, well, that's the uh, that's the week in football. Uh, great little round up there. Thanks, boys. It's time for a break now, but make sure you stay with us. As up next, we'll be looking back at all the best news from the week in football. Goldrick Farrell Solicitors are here to help all sporting people, whether individuals, clubs or corporates, right
right across every code of sport in Australia and around the world. Goldrick Farrell solicitors offer professional advice from their lawyers and sports consultants. Whether it's negotiating or renewing contracts or securing the best arrangements for your personal, business or property interests, Goldrick Farrell solicitors have the team for you. Contact partner Barry Milan now on 0292677311 or visit www.gfm.com.au. The Socceroos have done their bit. Now it's time to do yours. Enjoy the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience with the Green and Gold Army on tour in South Africa. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australian group stage games, tickets to four additional World Cup group stage games, all transfers to and from games, and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 756 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. But you'd better be quick as numbers are strictly limited and places are going fast. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast and now's the time to have a look at all the news from the week in football. All news stories from our fantastic website au.442.com and the first news story is Shane Smeltz, Gold Coast's exciting striker, top of the scoring charts in the A-League and there's some rumours or conjecture going around that he could be moving on after a fantastic couple of weeks in the A-League. And there's a story about him having a $300,000 price tag or clause within his contract. Kev, you're, you're, you're across the website in, in every way possible. Give us um, some insight on this one. Uh, as it stands, I don't think anybody's actually put an offer in for Smeltz since uh, Phoenix tried to sell him to a Turkish club before he actually joined Gold Coast United. Um, but there is a clause we understand that exists within his contract that if uh, an outside club were to come in and uh, offer 300 grand Gold Coast United would be legally obliged to release him if he wanted to go yeah the first thing that struck me when I read that was that just seems ridiculously low you know even before these first two games you'd probably say you'd probably be looking at sort of you know given that given that those release clauses are generally meant to stretch the market that if someone wants to kick you know to trigger that release clause they've got to break the bank a little bit 100 know. million dollars yeah, for cash. it's like 300 grand I would have said Smelts was worth 300 grand in the transfer market at the end of last season not let alone at the start of this I think uh, it Different rules apply in a salary cap market. The the, uh, the release fee here is to encourage the players to get away. Hence, Dave Carney's fifty thousand. You can't put too high a price on it because you've got because they're not restricts, earning money while they're here. Exactly, that restricts right. the player. And the player will always try and negotiate a low price so that he can go if he wants to. So, Kev, offer I, further I, wanted, money. I wanted to ask: Is this something that you've delved into, and or, or Aidan, who wrote it, has delved into to find this figure, or is it public knowledge? Because it it strikes me that you know, giving that figure is 
he's a bit stupid on on you know the team's part because it suddenly the, the, he just the club certainly after. didn't want that figure released. Yeah, we've got Edo's got many sources in many different places, and uh, we've got it from a very good authority that this is the figure that's involved. And yeah, the uh, the club certainly wouldn't have wanted that figure released. And I think from Smeltz's point of view, he may not be unhappy that the figure's been released because it now puts him in a, a, the driving seat to renegotiate a new contract with a perhaps more realistic figure. But again, of course, they are constrained by the salary cap. There's not really that much Gold Coast United can do to offer them money. Uh, they've got the marquee situation filled. They can't break the salary cap. They can't give benefits in kind. So they're, they're kind of hamstrung by what they can offer to renegotiate contracts. If, I, if I'm Shane Smeltz, though, I've got to be honest, I would think about staying here for this season no matter what. Simply because he's got a World Cup qualifier coming up with New Zealand. He's based a short hop away from New Zealand. I'd be thinking, I'm playing in a good team, I'm scoring goals, I'm playing every game. That's the most important thing as a striker. Let's put everything into this season to win the league, get to a World Cup, and then what bigger shot window can he put himself in than he's at the World Cup? I agree. I think he would be daft to leave. To be honest, I'm, I'm not even sure he should actually leave the league full stop. I think he, he's found his level. He's you know he struggled in his career up until he came back to the A League. Uh, in the A League, he's been nothing but a star. Uh, he could gamble it on, go away, and go back into obscurity. But I think he's found his level. What he could be trying to do is get a marquee contract somewhere else. Mm. The first thing I thought when I saw that he'd score, scored four goals was, you know, how much longer is he going to be around? I, I think the same end of the season he'll be gone. There's so many different places to go. Even if it isn't Europe, you could say Asia or, you know, you could join Adam, Adam Griffiths at a Saudi club. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll be gone by the end of the year. Yeah. Well, moving on, the, the start of the Premier League season saw a lot of Australian Euro-based ruse or Euro-ruse, whatever you want to call them, play or, or look to play. Didn't really get off with such a bang with a, with a few of the players not playing and sitting on the bench. Is is it ominous for for some of the Aussie base the, the Euro based Aussies that they're not getting games? I don't think it's a good sign, really, is it? Uh, you know, there's been a few injuries uh, and Dave Carney putting his foot in it completely with uh, his blades, boss. That he's never going to get a game with them ever again. Not even making the bench now, uh, which is ridiculous when you see what he can play, how he plays for Australia for yeah. the national team. He's a talented player, and he's as good as anything the Sheffield United have got at the moment. It's purely down to personalities there. Why, but, why does why, why if he's that far on the out of there? Why don't they just sell him? Well, he is actually transfer listed. Right, okay, he's he transfer listed at the moment, and he went for trial Anderlecht and impressed. But they were expecting to lose their left back, who's still with the team, unfortunately. So his, his move there has been cancelled. Um, he's just <laughs> in a hellish position, uh, which is a shame for him. I think he deserves much better than that. But you've also got uh, Vinnie Grella, who's injured. Uh, Emerton, who's coming back from injury. Yeah. Um, Do we know when Emerton's going to be back playing? He's, he's not far off, I think. With the next month or so. I suppose if you look on the flip side with the guys who were injured anyway, that, that it's... It could be to our advantage in the sense fresh. of the, the long season that if they if they start get going in kind of October November time they haven't had the long slog of the season. You know, I suppose that's one way to look at it. Yeah, Grell is a bit of a worry though because he does seem to be having recurring injuries uh, and has done since he joined Rovers. He seemed to have a, a fairly good run when he was in Italy without hardly any injury at all that I can recall. As soon as he went to Rovers, he's just been injured virtually the whole time. I guess is that is that a sign of the increased intensity in England or the better medical 
facilities in, in Italy. I don't get it. I, don't, I honestly don't think he's played enough in the UK to, to be on the receiving end of the physical side of the game. There. Obviously more in terms of training. Possibly, so they, yeah. They try that. Possibly, yeah. And Trev, one man who never seems to have any trouble for, for his club and again was on the score sheet on the weekend, Scott McDonald at Celtic, you know, just can't seem to stop, stop scoring for the hoops, can he? It's a slight frustration, isn't it? Because, I mean, no Australian player scores more goals than Scott McDonald yet. We haven't seen him score for Australia here yet. I mean, it's just good to see, isn't it, if he's carrying on scoring for Celtic. But it goes back to the same point that he's playing in a different system at Celtic where he's more inclined to get goals and when he comes into the soccer, he's playing that lone striker role, which is, you know, more difficult for him. Hmm. Now, one player who didn't have any trouble getting on the score sheet was our Harry Kuehl at Galatasaray. Scored two penalties at Denizlispor in the uh, Turkish Super League. You know, bodes well for us. It's great to see Harry not on the not on the bench, not injured. Yeah. And it seems like uh, Frank Reichard's got the team playing uh, a, a style of football that can showcase Harry's skills. You think that that'd be an ideal manager for him, wouldn't you, in the World Cup year with a, a you know Dutch soccer who's manager and the style that they want to play moving forward? I just think it's great. Obviously, uh, his flatmate Les is um, <laughs> he's doing the business because he's he, I don't think he's ever looked fitter. You know, he looks in fantastic shape and you know just just mindset as well. You know, he just looks. You know, committed. You know, I think that must be if you've had the troubles that he's had to finally feel that you're out of that, you're out of the woods, and you've got everything sorted, and your body's back to normal. Must just be, you know, so liberating again that he must just be enjoying playing every week. You know. No, you said the mental side of it. I mean, a lot of people that we speak to in the industry have always said that you know it must play. A big deal in, in, in Harry's psyche, the, the mental side of it. Am I going to get injured again every game you go out? Am I going to snap something or is something going to swell up? Or Yeah, but before he, when he was on his way to, to Gala, he, the, the mental side, the one thing that he was saying was he wanted to go out and prove a point. Uh, and that was pointedly at Rafa uh, for letting him go. Yeah. And I think that's all he's focusing on. It's not a case of worrying about when he's going to be injured. He's focused on proving that Liverpool were idiots to let him go. Yeah. Uh, and if they'd got Les out staying with them uh, and Merseyside, then uh, maybe Liverpool would be living off the benefit of uh, what Gallo are getting at the moment. Mm. Well, moving back to, to Australia and a new story we had on the website this week about the, another Sydney team in the A-League and uh, NSL, former NSL identity Bertie Mariani, uh, who fronts the Joe Meisner bid, has uh, come out and said that he thinks it would be folly to focus on just one area of Sydney for a fan base. He, he's obviously come out and said that he'd like the new Sydney team to embrace every suburb of Sydney. Seems like a, a, a clever idea, but do, do you think that that could actually work? I think it's one of the most doomed ideas that anyone's ever raised in connection with this, and there's been a lot of doomed ideas. Um, Sydney, this is the West Sydney bid. This is all about West Sydney. It should be played out of Parramatta. They're fanning about trying to play out of ANZ because they can make money out of it. They're trying to concentrate on the business side. They're now trying to appeal to everybody in the West of, uh, outside of uh, the eastern suburbs. It's just nonsense. Focus. West Sydney, Parramatta, that's the team. I, I agree with, with where the team's based, and I agree that, the, that it should be based at Parramatta Stadium and it should be a Western Sydney team. But I, I can see where it's coming from in the fact that Sydney is a big city and they may pick up fans who have been... 
disenfranchised from Sydney FC, whatever. It'd be like saying like Manchester United can only, you know, can only get fans from Manchester. We'd, there'd be a thousand people in Old Trafford if that was the case. <laughs> Ten. You know, so it's yeah because what, everybody I, supports in Manchester supports Manchester City. Yeah, but I true took, Mancunians are Manchester but City I fans. What, I took what he was saying was to say that once the club is established, they may end up getting supporters from outside of Western Sydney, which I think is right. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. You can, can do that, of course. Anybody can do any team can do that. I mean, Gold Coast United is essentially going to have to rely on that kind of principle. But at the end of the day, what they are is a West Sydney side, and they should be looking to the immediate community of West Sydney. Is their fan base. So how, and how do you Sydney, Sydney FC itself for the past four years has made exactly that mistake, trying to appeal to the entire city, trying to get everybody in, without appealing to anybody at all as a result. They've not made that connection with anyone. So on that basis, what do you think is going to happen in Melbourne? I think Melbourne Heart is a complete disaster. I honestly don't understand. Because they don't have that, that geographical sort of... Nobody you know, except... team in Melbourne who are going to play out at the same stadium. Nobody except Peter Sidwell and the FFA want this Melbourne Heart second team, as far as I can gather. I, I just don't see the point on it. It's a marketing exercise by the FFA. If there was going to be a second team in Melbourne, it should only have been South Melbourne FC, as far as I can see. But Trevor, you were saying off air when we were chatting about it before that... Isn't it about a style of football? You know, that if, if, if the new Sydney team comes in with an ethos of attacking and entertaining football, wouldn't that be the reason to go away from Sydney FC and, and make the, the, the travel out, out west? We've said this on the pod before about Sydney fans, about how fickle Sydney sports fans can be in terms of what code they're going to watch based on who's doing well. So I think whatever Sydney team comes in, regardless of where they're going to be located, I think they're going to have to be winning games to get fans there. I think with the Western Sydney beard, there's so many people holding out. You know, they may go and watch Sydney FC, but they're going to become Western Sydney fans. You know, the second that's there. So I think, yeah, like we say, it's, it's how they play on the pitch is going to be important for getting people through. Great stuff, lads. That's uh, all the time we have for that segment. Break time again, but don't touch that dial as when we come back, the boys face off in another round of More Significant. I just don't know what's wrong with some tradies today. Look at the vehicles they drive. More show than anything, and certainly not tough. I reckon some tradies have even gone soft. For real, fair income tough tradies, there's only one choice, Mahindra. Mahindra's range of 4x2 and 4x4 workhorse pickups and cab chassis know how to get the job done. And they won't cost an arm and a leg, starting at 19990 drive away. Visit your local dealer for a test drive today or visit mahindrapickup.com.au. Making your power of attorney can be daunting and very confusing. What kind of power of attorney do you need? How do you do it? Who can witness it? The Australian Power of Attorney Kit explains the different powers of attorney easily and in plain English, so you'll find it very easy to understand. The Power of Attorney Kit provides step-by-step instructions on how to fill out the Power of Attorney form of your choice. And we have a very special offer for you right now. When you buy the Australian Power of Attorney Kit, we'll include all the forms you need for whichever Power of Attorney you choose to make. A Power of Attorney is a legal document that allows another person to make decisions for you only in the event you cannot make decisions for yourself. The Australian Power of Attorney Kit is only $29.95 plus postage and handling. Order online at australianpowerofattorney.com.au or call us today. Here's how to order. Call 1-800-200-109. That's 1-800-200-109. Write the number down. 1-800-200-109. Call now. Back to 442 Insider.
Welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast and we get to my favourite part of the week where I get to put the boys on the spot with one of my contrived games and this week we're looking at more significant where I give the boys two scenarios and they get to choose which one is, funnily enough, more significant. So let's start with more significant to the title race, Trev. Gold Coast or Sydney's undefeated start to the season? Um, I think Gold Coast, because I thought as a new club they might take time to gel, get a bit of an understanding, but you know they've started playing like they've been playing together for years. Um, so, I mean, in terms of them kicking on to go to the title, it's really good. I mean, I think the acid test will be, you know, they are going to lose games during the season. Um, if they lose a couple back-to-back, how they react to that and how the egos manage that. Kev? Um, yeah, pretty much agree. You know, the, uh, the Gold Coast really looks supremely impressive. I, I expect them to do well this season. I tipped them to, to win the, uh, the Premiership, uh, but I wasn't expecting them to be as dominant as they have been so far. Uh, and I don't see any reason that that's going to end, even if even with Adam Griffiths there and even with Steve Pantelides possibly suspended for two games. Um, they, they look very, very good. Sydney were expected to do well this season um, perhaps two wins on the trot wasn't quite expected uh, but yeah they look good but I don't think they're going to keep it up mm. Andy? Right, for the sake of the segment I'll say Sydney um, simply because I, th- I think there was a danger that, that Gold Coast may have just replaced Sydney as a challenger and I think if Sydney are there as well I think that bodes well for the for the closeness of the title race and that you'd probably be looking at you know, Gold Coast, Sydney, Melbourne, I think will still be there or thereabouts, Brisbane. Um, so I think for the sake of the title race, I think Sydney being successful is probably more significant because it means it's going to be more hotly contested. More significant to Melbourne's title defence. Kevin, getting one point from two games or losing Kevin Musket for two months? I think losing Kevin Musket for two months is a huge blow to victory. Without Musket, there is no Melbourne. But having said that, I think this could be the season when uh, Australia finally becomes no country for old men. I think uh, Craig Moore looked really old, uh, not this weekend, but the weekend before, when uh, Robson was going through on goal, uh, Gold Coast United game. Uh, it was Charlie Miller, of all people, that chased him down and looked utterly exhausted at the end of it <laughs> <laughs> and horrified that he just had to run 10 yards. Uh, but standing behind them, watching, doing nothing at all was Craig Moore. Mm. Uh, and I thought that was absolutely shocking that the central defender just... He picked up that yellow card as well, didn't he, for a ridiculous yeah. trip when, yeah. he would, when the player just ran past him and it wasn't even an attempt for the ball, it was no. just a blade. It was just, it was just I couldn't be bothered running. And that, that's a concern is when yeah. the player's doing that because what that sort of says a little bit is that their, their sort of pride's gone a little bit, yeah. you know, mm. and as we saw with Popovich, you know, he, he when, when that happened to him, he was like, that's it, you yeah. know, and... Um, and the same also with Sydney. I thought uh, Steve Corica had his worst game that I've ever seen him in for years. Um, he was completely off the pace. His first touch was appalling. And I really, really like Steve Corica. I think he's a genius and he does some wonderful things. But I thought he had a shocking game uh, the weekend. And I think it, as well, he was real looking his age. And with Corica, so much of his game is about that movement, quick, short, passive movement. And if that's not there, then he's, he's not got a lot to fall back on. Yep. Um, I'd, I'd agree. I'd say Musket is, is a major loss. You know, um, I think Melbourne will will score goals. I think they'll continue to score goals because they you know they, they get a lot of goals from midfield as well. But 
they, they've got to sort out their, their defence. You know, they leaked three goals in the first half at home and, you know, could have been more, you know, and, and watching Enrique sort of just jink left and right, no one put a challenge on, you know, I, I think they need to sort out that defence quickly. Yeah, I, I say Muscat as well, but also because it's not a big deal that they've only got one point for the opening two games because it's it works on a final series and 60% of the league makes the finals anyway. You've got 27 rounds, you want to kind of Brazil at a World Cup effect where you, you're sort of warming up going into sort of the second half of the season through to the finals. Andy, more significant to their team's long-term success, Mille Stajowski or Archie Thompson getting off the mark this week? Stajowski, because I think... Archie's scored goals he's scored goals throughout the A-League I don't think there's as much pressure on him I think he will score goals but you know, whilst Melbourne are scoring three it doesn't really matter whether he's scoring or not but I think Stajowski needs a goal for his confidence for Perth's confidence and for the fans' confidence, I think. So I'd say Stajowski. I can't believe Stajowski didn't score at the weekend. He had some really, really good chances. Um, and the longer he goes without that first goal, the more it'll weigh on him. Um, so, yeah, definitely Stajowski. I think, yeah, Stajowski, I mean, he's in danger of falling into the Aloisi trap of uh, never actually getting a goal and the pressure just mounting and mounting and increasing. But equally, I think it's important that, you know, Perth get off the mark and get the first win under the belt. There's a huge amount of pressure on them. Signed all these Socceroo stars and uh, still not actually managed to get three points in the bag yet uh, and that goes hand in hand with Sturge getting off the mark too Trevor you're up first for this one more significant to the prestige of the A-League Shane Smeltz or Robbie Fowler leaving early I think Robbie Fowler and the reason is because there's so much hype for months and months because we knew he was coming and there was so much excitement about him playing so for him to leave that'll be a real false dawn and the next time a big player comes out we're going to be thinking well is it going to be like Robbie Fowler when he left straight away with Shane Smeltz I mean you know he's got the possibility to, to go to another league and um, you know do well and that showcase that performing well in the A-League means that you can transfer it to a better league Kev um, uh, to be honest I think Robbie Fowler uh, I'm not quite sure what people expect of Robbie Fowler he's you know a legendary figure in his day but his day was quite a while ago now uh, Fury are really struggling quite badly uh, and even before the Holocaust really started at the weekend for them you could see Robbie Fowler's head go down I mean he, he really was not up for it after about quarter of an hour 20 minutes you could see that he thought that it was a hell uh, hell of a game coming up and a hell of a beating if he leaves early I wouldn't be surprised at all you can just imagine him watching the service smelts was game going God, I wish I was on the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think, like, those feelings, like Smeltz's goals were, were, were classic Fowler sort of goals, and you just think, he must be looking at that guy if I was getting that sort of service. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd agree Fowler leaving early simply because Fowler leaving early is a, is a sign of failure. Smeltz leaving early would be a sign of success. Mm. You know, so I think the, 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 the most significant would be Fowler leaving because of that, the message that would send. Mm. Kevin, more significant for the Socceroos, Cahill's goals or our strikers lack of? Well, our strikers do get goals, they just don't get them for Australia. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, and we're just very, very lucky we've got somebody like Cahill that will uh, pick up the, the slack and score for us. Um, which one's more significant? Well, Cahill's goals are match winners for us, without a doubt. Uh, and without them, well, we would be in trouble. So, yeah, Cahill's goals. Andy? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably say that the strikers' lack of goals is more significant because the, the danger is, is that if Kale's not there, we're not going to score. 
So I'd say more significant is the lack of goals from elsewhere, you know, because we, we are getting into the situation of all our eggs being in one basket. And if that, you know, if he picks up an injury in the Premier League, and given the way he plays, he's always likely to do that. Um, that's a major concern. Yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much agree with that. I mean, it's great to see Cahill playing like that and being such an important part of the team. But, you know, if he's missing, you can be watching those Everton games at the end of this season, just praying he's pulling out of tackles and like, he's, he's going to be fit for the World Cup. And, you know, there isn't enough goals in the rest of the team to make up for it. So, yeah, the lack of strikers. Staying on the Socceroos, more significant for the for future Socceroos friendlies, winning in the manner we did against Ireland or blooding more squad players for experience? Um, Kev, no, I was just going to say, I, I think the way we played against Ireland was uh, spectacularly good. It was, a, it was a great thing to see. Uh, it was beautiful football, it was played well, playing it out from two, foot, two feet from the back. Um, there was one stage in the second half, we must have put together 24, 25 passes. You know, it's four o'clock in the morning, I'm shouting away at the t- TV set. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, that was good, but, you know, in terms of significance, that was Pim showing we can do it when we're not having to win, when results aren't important. We can play proper football. However, I think comes the next Asian Cup qualifier, uh, we are going to be going straight back to a efficient football, uh, which will be uh, getting Craig Foster's blood pressure up. So was a good sign. Um, I'd say winning in the manner we did against Ireland because I'd say the manner we, we won against Ireland was blooding young new players. You know, we did blood new players. We didn't have Lucas Neal at the back. You know, Reese Williams and Carney showed that they're, they're capable of stepping up. Yedinak in the midfield, you know, I thought, you know, although I, I think Yedinak has his limitations, I thought he did well to a point. Um, so I think, I think the win against Ireland had everything we could ask for. You know, at the end of the day, we're on a, what, seven or eight game countdown to a World Cup and the good thing was that it showed that in that system that, that he is going to play in the Asian Cup qualifiers we can play better football than we've played Yeah, you know, so I think that, that was important yeah, the, the win against Ireland because it, it highlighted that you know different people can slip into that formation that we're going to play and we've probably got more depth than we've ever had before and that's going to be important when it comes to the World Cup because it's, it's unlikely that we're going to have all 11 players that we want. You could probably suggest there'll be two or three that are going to drop out because of injury and you know, some will pick up bookings. So, yeah, the, to illustrate the depth. Also, just uh, one little aside that, that win against Ireland will also push our uh, ranking up to 14th in the world. Yeah. Uh, the latest estimates are. Good stuff. And final, final in this fantastic game of more significant is more significant to the Premier League title race. Arsenal blowing away Everton or Liverpool losing to Tottenham on the opening day. Andy? Um, I'd say Liverpool losing to Tottenham simply because I think Liverpool only lost two games last season. Um, they've lost one already this. So I think... Um, I think for everyone saying Liverpool were going to mount another a challenge for the title, I, I, I never thought they would, and I, and I don't think they will. So I think that's significant. In that, I think the more significant in that, I think it's going to come down to Chelsea and whether Man United can get their act together quick enough. Mm. I'll mix it up by saying the uh, you know Arsenal fresh and Everton. It was a pretty much a nightmare opening fixture for Arsenal. Everyone's talking about them slipping out the the top four first fixture away to the team that came fifth last season. So you know all eyes on them. You know lost players haven't signed enough. So to win six one against you know a really really good Everton side is a massive result for them. Mm. 
Um, opening rounds always throw up some weird results. Uh, you know, Hull City last year got down near the top of the table on the basis of the opening round results. I don't think we can put any uh, too much weight on any of them. Um, I'm one of those that was tipping Liverpool to be real title contenders and frankly those hopes and dreams are completely shattered now. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, I just don't see it happening. Uh, and I was one of those who tipped Arsenal to drop out the top four and also that is not really looking particularly likely but I'm also taking comfort in the fact that it is the opening rounds and I don't expect them to be really significant for the rest of the season. Mm. Trevor, remind, us, remind me to get another tip stuff for the next <laughs> season. Those <laughs> tips never come out great, do they? Quite, when you, yeah. you try and do a whole league. Well, that's great stuff, guys. Thanks very much. Uh, time for a break again, but stay with us after the break as our panel of experts, plus Trevor, Andy and Kevin, preview round three in the Hyundai A-League. Goldrick Farrell solicitors are here to help all sporting people, whether individuals, clubs or corporates, right across every code of sport in Australia and around the world. Goldrick Farrell solicitors offer professional advice from their lawyers and sports consultants. Whether it's negotiating or renewing contracts or securing the best arrangements for your personal, business or property interests, Goldrick Farrell solicitors have the team for you. Contact partner Barry Milan now on 02 or visit www.gfm.com.au The Socceroos have done their bit. Now it's time to do yours. Enjoy the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience with the Green and Gold Army on tour in South Africa. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australian in group stage games, tickets to four additional World Cup group stage games, all transfers to and from games, and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 756 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. But you'd better be quick, as numbers are strictly limited and places are going fast. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. And we get to the point of the podcast where we get to use our grey matter in previewing the round three of the Hyundai A-League. Starting off on Friday the 21st of August, this coming Friday at High Marsh. We've got Adelaide United against Gold Coast, which uh, should be a clash of styles, lads. Yeah, I mean, Adelaide approach has sort of been trying to stop the other team playing and, you know, keeping it tight and long ball with, without getting into that discussion again. They're going to have their work cut out, even at home, to do that with the Gold Coast because they've just got so much quality in that final third. I think Adelaide, you know, are going to have to tweak things a little bit and perhaps consider playing two up front. Um, I'm not quite sure what their options are, but, yeah, I think if they, if they try and restrict the Gold Coast too much, I think they'll just get, um, get rolled over. Yeah, I can see Adelaide bringing down the shutters for this one myself, to be honest. I think they'll go the opposite way, if not avoiding two up front. They'll just try and uh, close down the midfield and defence and hold Gold Coast United at bay, but I don't see it working. Um, Fiddy's not a bad tactician, though. I think, you know, if anybody's got a chance of... uh, 
controlling and containing Gold Coast, it could be him. Mm. Um, but I just don't think he's got the manpower this season to, to actually achieve that. Maybe last season when you know they still had uh, Costanza and Volcanis and Ognowski, uh but not this season. Andy, you fancy yourself as a bit of a coach and a tactician. If you were Viddy, what would you be doing to, to close down the Gold Coast? Um, I'd be tempted to put someone on Kalina and just say follow him because he is drifting all over the pitch and just... And because he's doing that, he's getting a lot of room. Like North Queensland, let him go and get it off the defence and start playing and come and get it. I think, I think what would be interesting from a Gold Coast perspective is they'll look at the Sydney goal and think that's, that's how we unlock Adelaide was those quick combinations on the edge of the box, which is exactly the way they've been playing with Schmelz and Porter. Porter dropping off in just behind Schmelz and Kalina coming through. You know, and we talked about the fact that Steve Kiker didn't have his best game and when Sydney got the penetration they needed, it was when they had that quick combination with the front two because whilst Adelaide are pretty strong, they're, they're, you know, they're not the most mobile in the centre of defence. Um, so if they can get the ball moving quickly on the edge of the box, which is what they're good at, I think they'll open Adelaide up. Previews, who's going to win that, lads? Uh, Gold Coast. Uh, Gold Coast, <laughs> probably, but I can actually see Gold Coast getting the first drop. Gold Coast. Okay. Saturday sees uh, a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday, which is a uh, fantastic. Yeah, we were talking about whether how many games have actually kicked off at the traditional football time of Saturday three o'clock. I don't think it many. I can't remember any. Doesn't happen very often anymore at all, does it? But we've got Central Coast Mariners hosting Sydney FC, battle of the undefeateds. Neither team's got a loss. Do we see that changing by the end of the ninety minutes in this game? <coughs> These uh, this. Mariners and Sydney games are always big scoring affairs. Uh, historically, it's always a, an entertaining spectacle. Uh, and I think it'll probably continue as well. The Mariners are hitting the straps with the, the new signings. Uh, McGlinchey's proven to be a complete sensation. Or uh, McGlinchey. <laughs> no now he's a Kiwi. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think it should actually be a really good game. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, Mariners have been playing some nice football uh, against the the stereotype of the long ball game that they keep getting accused of. The last couple of games have been, you know, pretty attractive football in places. Uh, Sydney, when they uh, started the season, played some superb football. Uh, their first game was really nice Arsenal-style football. Almost, I didn't just compare Sydney to Arsenal. <laughs> did you? I did. Shit. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, I thought they were really playing well, uh, and if they can keep that up and Mariners can keep their end of the bargain I think it'll be a great, great game and the uh, Central Coast continue to prove the naysayers wrong don't they four, four points from, from two games Laurie's got the side playing how he wants them to anyway Yeah, I'm hoping to make it to this this time I tried to go last year and there was a bomb scare on the train <laughs> and I had to watch it in a pub in Hornsby <laughs> So if I can actually make it to the... More fans in the pub than at the... the Pretty ground. much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was meeting everyone at the ground as well, so I had to watch it on my own. That was good, but enough, enough of that. You're used to that, though, true. Exactly, <laughs> that's the way I like it. No one <laughs> stupid comment. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that'd be a score draw. I think it'd be like a traditional clash between those two, two or I reckon. On a tip, Sydney, to yeah. win away. I think the confidence will be up from the first two games. Kofi Danning, I think he's looking fantastic. I think he could be the key, getting some width and getting the ball in. So I'm going to tip Sydney to win 2-1. Kev, winner? Uh, I'm going to go for the draw as well, but yeah. uh, let's go for 3-3. Three, three. <laughs>
Second game of the doubleheader at five o'clock, obviously allowing those of the FFA to go out for a beer on a Saturday night for a change. North Queensland Fury versus Melbourne Victory up at Derry Farmers. If you ever want to play Victory, I suppose you want to play them now when they're, they're maybe yet to find their full form. And it, I suppose when you're Fury, you take anything you can get, won't you, at the moment? I reckon Victory will be delighted that they've got, finally got an easy tie. Uh, I think they're going to find the form, they're going to find the confidence, and they're going to find the back of the net over and over and over again. And I think it's going to be cricket score. Wow! There, wow, you go. there you go. It's you know, it, it's a massive game for North Queensland on and off the pitch. You know, if they have got what was it, just under eight thousand for the opening game, and they've just been walloped. You know, how many are they going to get this week? Um, if I was Robbie Fowler, I'd be very, very thankful that Kevin Musker isn't playing because <laughs> Fowler's exactly the sort of person that Musker like, likes to have a pop at early on to let him know he's there. Probably one of um, the few players Musker could catch. Still, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think North Queensland have just have really got to throw at the kitchen sink. I think Fergie's been very... Very cautious in both games, the way he's set the team out to start with. He has changed it, to his credit. He has tried to change it, but I'd, I'd be going all out for this. you know. And also, he's got to try and, as you said about Fowler, he's got to try and get Fowler's tail back up again. So I think I don't think the way to do that is to go out with one man up front and, and set a team out defensively. I think he's got to go, go and attack. I mean, he's got nothing to lose. Mm. It's so difficult to back Fury after last week, you know, to tip them to win any games. And they struggled to contain those front three of the Gold Coast. And they've got, you know, um, not, perhaps not quite as good, but still very strong, you know, Hernandez, Alsop and Thompson. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Melbourne are, are rolling over there 3 0. Yeah. Oh, you've already said they're going to kill them by cricket yeah, scores. So, uh, so. Okay, great. I'm going to tip, I'm going to tip Fury. There you go. Did you yeah. win, yeah? Someone's got it. So next week. Be the master. You can be, you can be the, the pod father. Uh, Sunday sees Brisbane Raw take on Wellington Felix at Suncorp, another three o'clock kickoff. I suppose Brisbane come under the radar a little bit. They've, they've been performing pretty well in their last games. I mean, they did throw away that game against Melbourne, but they're they're scoring goals and they're they're looking like a pretty well organised team. So. Um, where, do you, where do you see that one going, Trev? I thought Wellington looked quite lively last week when they picked up the win. I think they've got a few goals in, but they need to sort themselves out at the back. I thought they were going to be quite solid at the back because they're keeping the same, uh, same set of players there, but they looked all over the shot the first couple of rounds and you know, Perth should have really punished them last week. Um, Brisbane at home are hoping that they're not going to slip back into that rut of not being able to pick up points at home. Um, but I, I do fancy them to win there. I, th- I think they'll, they'll probably be unfortunate you know to feel because they didn't play you know Brisbane didn't play that bad against the Gold Coast in the opening rounds I just think the Gold Coast are more clinical um, and I, th- I think Brisbane will pick up their, their first win home to Wellington's a good one for that and a stalkers update on um, Chris Greenacre how did you think he performed didn't, didn't get a goal on last weekend but you, you're still happy with, with how he's playing as his personal coach and stalker I, I, I think he's getting you know he's getting in there he, he grabbed a goal in the first round obviously even though it wasn't exactly a classic piece of goalkeeping that got him there but um I'm a bit worried about my top scorer bet considering what Smelts did last week yeah. well any time you lose money I'm happy so uh, Kev um, I think with uh, Phoenix Eiffel's doubts uh, they're going to struggle for goals I reckon uh, Brisbane Roar have been looking very good I reckon uh, again defensively they, they do seem to have a few issues and I think also they're another one that uh, the low key pre-season is probably having an effect on their opening 
rounds. They played against Celtic, which was their main match, and the rest of the, they didn't play as many games as uh, Sydney or Gold Coast did. Uh, and I think it does show. It really does show. Um, so they'll be still trying to hit their, their stride, and I think they will show their true class against Phoenix uh, this weekend with a, an impressive win. Andy, do you think they've finally put that home hoodoo to bed now? Yeah, I think so. I think they did that last season when Van Dyke went on that sort of late sort of burst. But um, I think Phoenix will miss Eiffel if it's not there. I, I mean, I think Greenacres, you know, he's, he's not the biggest, but he certainly seems to hold it up well, which I think is testimony to the fact that he's played that those middle tier in England where, you know, you, that's the way they play, get the ball up to the front man and hold it up. If Eiffel's not fit I'd like to see him play Daniel just off him because I think that's where they might get some joy mm. um, with Greenacre holding it up and looking for an interchange with Daniel and, and Daniel can shoot from distance from the edge of the box so I'd like to see him be positive um, if Eiffel's not available um, but I agree I, I think Brisbane will probably have, probably have too much for him I think the other thing I'd also want interested to see is how Bertos shapes up after getting his goal last weekend. Because Bertos, I've always really fancied. I thought he's a great player. He was good for glory and very good for Phoenix, but he just couldn't finish to save himself. Uh, now that you know he's got the last weekend's goal, maybe it's just going to give him enough confidence to actually get them on target and get them past the, the keeper. Great stream deflection, though, wasn't it? Really? It was, strictly speaking. <laughs> but he's got great streamlined eyebrows. That's what I like. Yeah, if, 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 he's that, if, he's that, if he's that sort of confidence player right do you think that's actually playing on his mind this week where he wants to take confidence from it but there's a little thing on his shoulder going deflection 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 it wasn't really yours final game of the season sees uh, Perth Glory take on Newcastle Jets at Members Equity um a win for either team here could really see their, their season kicking off or, or, or I suppose give them a little bit of confidence to go on do you agree with that um, I think Jets have possibly been riding the luck up to now, to be honest, um, with the results they've got. I, I think Perth Glory have been unlucky, uh, conversely. I think they deserve more from the Phoenix game than uh, what they, they came away with, because uh, they were dominating the second half, peppering the, the goal with shots time after time. They should have got a, at least an equaliser. Um, I think... Uh, Glory will take this. Uh, Glory will finally start to, to come together and uh, get the, the three points on the, the board. Yeah, I'm going to, I'd take Glory as well. Um, just think, because I think their desire will be more. I think they need a win. I think like everyone can see that. They've certainly got the ability. I just think they need to get, get a win under their belt, get some of the pressure off um, both the players and the coach. Massive game for Perth, I mean, first home game of the season. Um, you know, it should be a, a decent crowd to, to see the new signings, and it's one of the more the easier fixtures, with all due respect to the Jets. Um, but I, th I think you know Perth just need to put away the chances they've been creating, but they'll win that one two 0 I hope, I hope there is a decent crowd there because I think that you know Tony Sage has, has gone out and you know and spent the money and assembled a good squad, and it would be a shame if. The, the supporters didn't get behind the team and didn't show their, their support for that. Yeah. Um, can I just bring one thing up from last weekend? That's, Go on. Um, the, the, the fact when I, I was obviously at the game, so I didn't see it, but apparently Mike Cockle made a lot on the Fox coverage about Sydney Sprinkles. FC watering the pitch. 
Like to me, that's not that's not a conspiracy thing. That, that's a positive thing to do. You know, they're trying to make the ball move quicker across the surface, which in general is a, more of a passing game because they have to leave the surface cut higher for the rugby league because the rugby league is that they have a certain height they yeah. have to do it. And if you see most of the Premier League games, you know, the in the build up, it's the most common the thing. It's really, really common. Yeah, thing. I think the thing, the only thing that was of uh, real curiosity value was that he did it after they'd done the warm up. Uh, so that Adelaide had warmed up on a pitch that was going to be completely different from the one they were actually going to play on. Uh, but, you know, it, it is, it's, it's pretty normal procedure, but it was a bit of gamesmanship and it was a bit of European gamesmanship right yeah, out of the A-League games. That's great. It reminded me of a great story Brian Clough. We have this Brian Clough was, was a massive advocate of water in the pitch just before the game, exactly the same as that. And, but there was one time when he, he was either when he was, it might be when he was coach at Derby, either Derby Fice and had an FA Cup tie and they weren't the favourites. And he went to put the sprinklers on and he, it was at, at sort of dusk. He went up to the, uh, to the office and had a few tots and then fell asleep. <laughs> the game was nearly called off because it was under about six inches of water. He <laughs> fell asleep and left the sprinklers on. He was the last person at the ground. It's a classic club story. <laughs> Great stuff, lads. Well, we're out of time for this uh, edition of the 442 Insider Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. Special thanks to producers Lenny and Joel and the backroom boys, Anthony and Dan, for their post-pod rubdowns. Don't forget you can listen to us on the interweb at au.442.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. Thanks very much for listening and don't forget to check back next week. Goodbye. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our our services.